As Jane reminded us, we are continuing to work through First Kings, and we're going to pick up the story in chapter three um, today. Um, even though the story happened around a thousand years ago, still lots for us to learn and be reminded of. We're going to look at verse, um, begin at verse three of chapter three, take it through um, to verse twenty-one. Let's read about the engagement that Solomon had with our God. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that you will never have, so there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. I wonder what happens next, eh? Yeah. 
It's like a, a, a cliffhanger, isn't it? Hey, um, Darren, what's your favourite music? Oh, I'm a bit of a country music Yeah, fan. that's really interesting. Uh, right. No, no, because I was hanging out with your son uh, a couple of weeks ago at the youth camp. Right. And he's a country music fan, which uh, anyway, I, I don't know how that happened. I know, I know. Well, it's like father, like son, but yeah, uh, Kenny Rogers we were listening to. You know, you've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. All right, okay. Uh, all right, so um, good to see you all. Uh, now, I want, I want to give you a scenario. It's the middle of the night, and God appears to you in a dream, and God says to you, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. There it is. Uh, it's a great offer from God, isn't it? Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Now, what would you ask from God? Uh, I want you to think about that. I want you to talk to the person next to you. And then I want you to think, what would the average Aussie answer that? And I don't want you to just do a stereotype. Like, what do you think the average Aussie person would say in answer to that? And what would you say? Uh, and is there any difference? So have a, have a word to the person next to you. God says, ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. Okay, look, I'd be interested to know what sort of answers do you think your average Aussie would give to that question, right? Ask whatever you want me to give to you. What do you, what do you reckon the average Aussie might say? Sorry? Something about meat pies? That sounds very stereotypical. So, what's that? Keg of beer that never... There's nothing stereotypical about this. Okay, this is... All right, cut to the heart, yeah. A keg of beer that never runs out. More public holiday, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Material security, yeah. The Australian dream is uh, owning your own house. Uh, definitely a really big priority for Australians, yeah. Uh, long life, yep. Coralie. Safety for kids and happiness, yeah. Absolutely. So I think family is very important to Aussies. Hey, Amanda. End of suffering. Yeah, yeah. So no, no more pain uh, in life. Give me a pain-free life. Like we are tough, but we want, we, we want to avoid pain uh, at the same time. Well, when Solomon is asked that question... He asked God for a discerning heart. Of all the things he could have asked, he asked for a discerning heart. And as we'll see, he was asking God for wisdom to navigate life well, to to lead well. And brothers and sisters, that is my prayer for each one of us, that we will see the value of this, that we will chase after it, that we will seek it from God and that he will give it to us. I'm going to pray for you, 
uh, to that end right now. Let's pray. God, our Father, please give each one of us here a discerning heart, wisdom to navigate life well in every aspect of our lives. Help us to value wisdom, to seek it out, and by your grace, give it to us. Give us the wisdom we need to navigate life well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, during that senior youth camp a few weeks ago, uh, the kids got into three groups. So I was on a senior youth camp. We got into three groups. We were looking at the topic of prayer, but we looked at we, we did an Old Testament timeline. So here are a few of them. They they pop well on the screen, don't they? Uh, they were done in kind of a fluoro paint. So we were sitting around the campfire, and and the fluoro light lit them up, and it was very beautiful. Um, I've got the three of them down the front, so you can come inspect them later. Um, but so the next one starts. So you can see. So the next one started with Jesus, and they thought Jesus is the starting point, and then they went back from there. Um, over this weekend, if you go onto the Voice in our Facebook uh, part of our, you know, our Facebook group called the Voice, you can vote on which one you think is the best, because the teenagers were very keen that there was some sort of determination on which was the best timeline. Now let me show you the next one. This is the one that's in the lead at the moment. Uh, so this is uh, winning, but that doesn't mean it will win by the end of the day because the prize will be given out at church tonight. But let me just take you through it. So you've got creation, uh, God making everything. There's Adam and Eve there in the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come down to Abraham, and by this time we're in 2000 BC. Uh, Abraham always lived in tents, but God plucked Abraham out of obscurity and said, I'm going to make you, your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky and I'll bless you and all blessing will come to all nations through you. 500 years later, so every 500 years approximately, there's a key moment in the Old Testament. So 500 years later, God rescues the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And there is Moses uh, ascending Mount Sinai uh, to receive the law uh, written on two tablets of stones, the Ten Commandments, uh, and God entered into that covenant with the people of Israel there. 500 years later, you have the shepherd boy David kind of plucked out of obscurity but made into king. Uh, and that's the period of history that we're wrestling with in 1 Kings because it's David's son Solomon. Uh, and we're following his story right at the moment. And that's really the height of the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. Because then 500 years later, in 500 BC, the kingdom is destroyed. The people go into exile in Babylon, uh, where they are commanded to bow down and worship other gods. Uh, and even a statue of the king there. But even during that time, the prophets were pointing towards a better king, one who was better than David, better than Solomon, uh, and of course that king is King Jesus. Uh, what a great overview of the Old Testament, hey? Uh, well done, the kids of our church. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 3, please have your Bible open there. Uh, and God asks, God, God says, ask whatever you want me to give to you. And so this is chapter 3 verse 9. 
Solomon, of all the things he could have asked, Solomon prays, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Give your servant a discerning heart. Three points this morning. Uh, First point is this, seek wisdom because it is so precious. And if you don't realise how precious it is, may God reveal that to you uh, in the next few minutes. Seek wisdom because it is so precious. Um, A discerning heart is what Solomon prayed for, and literally it is a listening heart. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? Solomon says, give me a listening heart. I think there's a lovely humility to this request. It's a recognition. So Solomon was about 20 years old. How old was the queen when she became queen? 21. Yeah, very same, same sort of scenario. This young king with such a, a grand responsibility to rule God's people. Uh, and he'd seen his father's kingdom grow, King David. And there's just a recognition. This task is beyond me. And if he's going to lead God's people well, he realises he needs wisdom from God. Um, Deuteronomy 17, which was written 500 years before the time of King Solomon, uh, God had commanded the king when the king came on the scene. Listen to this. When the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life. Uh, When they they, um, encourage, I was a young basketballer uh, and and I was an old basketballer too, but never a great basketballer. But what they say is you just just live with a basketball, you you sleep with a basketball, you just got always in your hands so that it just becomes just second nature. That was the character of the king with God's law. Have a copy of it. Keep it with you, write it down. So one of the first things the king was to do was write his own copy of the law. To be read it all the days of his life, he may learn to revere the Lord his God, follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Solomon had the humility to recognise, even as a 20-year-old, that he needed wisdom from God, uh, that he couldn't do it alone. He needed to listen to God with an open heart, a discerning heart. Now, I want to take you at this point on what I think is a fascinating little aside. I played this piece of music for you a couple of weeks ago, uh, you're going to play it for us there, Conrad. I've actually, I'm introducing it midway into the introduction, and you're thinking, oh, David on his thing again. No, no, go with me on this, right? Two weeks ago, I introduced you, introduced you to this song written by the famous composer Handel. Uh, it was written for the coronation of King George II 300 years ago, and it's featured at every coronation since that time. 70 years ago, it was at the coronation of, King, of Queen Elizabeth II. Next week, it will be played at the coronation of King Charles III. 
And, uh, and you might remember it has this long, long anticipation, but that finally bursts into song. And let me show you the words. Zadok the priest. And Nathan the prophet. Anointed Solomon king. That's the song that's going to be sung at the coronation of King Charles III in six days' time. And look at these. This is quoted exactly from 1 Kings chapter 1. Rejoice. Rejoice. And, and so you know that phrase, God saved the king, it's from 1 Kings chapter 1. That's, that's where it comes from, and, and, and that's had a long history. Now, so let me, let me run with this a little bit further. Way back in 1952, just before Queen Elizabeth II was coronated, uh, show, let's, let's show you on the screen, she said this, pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength. What a lovely thing to pray. What a godly thing to pray for. Pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may serve him and you faithfully all the days of my life. Now, I have no doubt that Queen Elizabeth II, as she was crowned queen, was reflecting on King Solomon and his coronation uh, and his request for wisdom uh, as he embarked on such a big responsibility, uh, asking God for a discerning, listening heart. And it's interesting, over the last few years before she died, there was a number of times where she thanked people for their prayers in, and, and that God had been answering that prayer and that God had sustained her and given her energy and wisdom throughout her life. So there it is. So that's what we ought to pray for, this new king. I know we don't have the same optimism uh, as we think about King Charles III, but I heard this morning uh, that he's, the, one of the things he's going to say is that he's come not to be served but to serve. Uh, so Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said those words, I've come not to be served, but to serve. Either King Charles III has a messianic problem, or he's actually wanting to imitate Jesus, or you know, who knows, but it's, it's directly from the words of Jesus. All right, kings and queens and rulers need wisdom, don't they? Definitely. But let's face it, we all need wisdom, yeah? Um. Our kids need wisdom. Uh, please pray for our kids. Whether you've got kids yourself or, you, or, or, you know, or you're just watching all these other kids running around church, please pray for them. Because our kids are growing up in this era of unprecedented change. Uh, and if they're going to navigate these years well, they need wisdom beyond their years. They need, they need to learn to listen to God humbly uh, and, and honour God's word. Um, we, need, we need wisdom, don't we? Uh, no matter how old we are in, in the workplace, 
at home, in our marriages, in our families. It was lovely hearing Jen interview herself uh, earlier. That was a great interview. Uh, And uh, what a blessing to have this course. Because I've got to say, there is nothing like being a parent to strip you of confidence. Right? It, just, it just robs you of any sense of, I'm competent in life. Uh, and what a blessing to have these three really wise women to actually bring some wisdom to bear on our parenting. I, I just feel like you parents should be flocking uh, to that uh, series because you need it. Right? You, you will feel out of your depth so many times as a parent Let's, let's get some wisdom in this. We need wisdom later in life, uh, just facing the challenges of ageing. I know I need wisdom as the leader of this church. It's something that I pray for more than anything else. Uh, and it's not like I'm trying to imitate Solomon. I just find myself out of my depth and I just pray, God, please give me wisdom. And I've read this passage with the admin committee and with our church pastoral staff team, and they were unanimous in saying, yes, we need wisdom as, as we kind of face the complexities, the complex decisions of caring for, loving, growing a church family needs great wisdom that is beyond us, and so we need, we need discerning hearts to listen to God and his word. So... Solomon not only asked for wisdom himself, which was a really good thing to ask God, but he calls on us to seek wisdom. So I'm drawing some proverbs here written by Solomon himself. Look at this one. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Here is the starting point of wisdom. Just get it. Realize you need it and go and get it. Even if it costs you all you have, Get understanding, because it is valuable above all things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there's lots you can learn out there in life, but having that humble posture before God, where we come before him and listen to him, that's the beginning of wisdom. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? You just got to, we've got to change our value system. Money is not the end. It's not the goal. Wisdom ought to be our goal. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. See, the discerning heart. And Proverbs 19, verse 8 the one who gets wisdom loves life. You want to love life, get wisdom. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Now, do you get the point? All right, Solomon's really keen to say this is not just for kings and queens. This is for all of God's people. If you want to navigate life well in whatever challenges you're going through at the moment, get wisdom. Right? Have that humility to recognize I need wisdom beyond my own capacity. I need wisdom from God. Uh, and ask God for a discerning heart. And the great news is God loves to give wisdom. God loves to give wisdom and he will give us so much more than just wisdom. So verse 10, 
Look at God's reaction. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. What a beautiful thing, isn't it? Solomon asked for this great thing of wisdom, and God says, that is exactly what I wanted you to ask me for. So God said to him, verse 11, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I'll give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I'll give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among the kings. Our God is so generous. He says, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll give you so much more. Uh, And so come over to chapter 4 towards the end, and you kind of see a bit of a summary of this wisdom section. Chapter 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Uh, and, and you can read about Solomon's wisdom in Proverbs, in the Song of Solomon, uh, in Ecclesiastes. Uh, so there's parts of the Old Testament scriptures that can help you learn from the wisdom that Solomon, uh, God gave Solomon. But God blesses Solomon with so much more than wisdom. Uh, so chapter 4, verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Uh, This this is going back to the promises God made to Abraham uh, of many, many descendants. They ate, they drank, they were happy. Verse 21, And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river Euphrates to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. Let me show you on a map. Uh, Israel, this little pokey nation in the middle of the Middle East, Uh, has just grown in its influence. And this whole corridor of travel is now under Israel's control and Israel's influence under Solomon's reign. Look at verse 25. So this is chapter 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Beersheba lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. And it's just a picture of peace. The enemies are not coming and attacking. Uh, there's just a time of peace where you can actually enjoy your backyard uh, and your own fig tree uh, and enjoy the blessings of the land uh, that God had given them. Now, we know Solomon's kingdom did not last. Um, and we're going to question Solomon's wisdom at points. Uh, We're going to think, what were you thinking, Solomon, when you married all those wives? And and some of the decisions Solomon will make, uh, we will question a great deal. But Solomon's wisdom sets the pattern for the one to come. And the prophets spoke of another king who would come, who would be even wiser than Solomon. Uh, And as our timeline showed us, it it all points towards the coming of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is a king. Have a look at this, this quote about Jesus. Jesus is a king in whom are hidden all the treasures 
of wisdom and knowledge. Now for us, if you want to if you want to know all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, you come to Jesus and you sit at his feet and you learn from him. Um, look at this next quote, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Uh, just the good life come, starts with a relationship with Jesus. He is wisdom from God. He is the humble king who died in our place, but God would give him far more than wisdom. God would give him honour and glory and splendour. Have a look at this uh, the song that is sung on repeat in heaven. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Uh, yes, Jesus deserves wisdom, but f- so much more is what God gives him. God gives him all wealth and power and strength and honour and glory and praise. And that's because God is so generous towards this king, the Lord Jesus. Now, here is the great thing, that through Jesus, God promises to give us wisdom as well. So this is uh, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom... Anyone want to nominate themselves yet? Okay, that's a lot of you. Uh, and the rest of you are liars or too slow. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There is a great promise, isn't it? You lack wisdom? Ask God. Just like he was so willing to give it to Solomon, he loves to give it to his children, uh, to those who know the Lord Jesus. But even as James gives this promise... He warns us of double-mindedness. So if you dig into James chapter 1, he warns us of double-mindedness where we're kind of hedging our bets, where we're seeking wisdom from God, but we're also wanting to be friends with the world. And James is saying, no, you need to choose. Set your heart on God and wisdom and don't be friends with the world. Um, So when God asked Solomon for... Solomon said one thing, wisdom, and that's what God wants from us, Uh, a a single-minded heart that seeks him. Where is wisdom found? Well, it is found in coming to Jesus and listening to him. So let me show you another passage. Uh, This is from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I, I grieve over our society. I, I, I read the papers, I see what's going on, uh, in, in Australia and throughout the world, and I just grieve because people are going through life with no foundation. Uh, they have kind of turned away from Jesus and people are left without a sure foundation to their lives and their lives look outwardly good, 
but you look below the surface and you realise there is nothing, there's no foundation to people's lives. And so they are just rocked by troubles that come and shaken and anxious. And, uh, and Jesus says, if you want a solid foundation, then listen to my words and put them into practice. That's where a solid foundation comes in life. And listen to the promise, um, listen to this last one, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, as we chase after wisdom from God and the values of his kingdom, and that becomes our undivided desire, God says, I will give you the kingdom and so much more. Uh, I will give you what you need from day to day. And just trust me, seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be given to you as well. So like Solomon, when we ask for wisdom, God gives us wisdom and he gives us much more. Come on to the third point, which is seek wisdom because it will show others how great our God is. In chapter 3, we hear this one particular instance of Solomon's wisdom. So there must have been many wise things, but it tells this one story of two prostitutes who come to Solomon. Uh, and it just reminds me of my kids coming to me. Like, I know it's at a lower level of complexity, but how often do your kids come to you and, you know, or oh, such and such, you know, my brother hit me. And then they say, no, no, you hit me first. And, and, and here you are as a parent, you've actually got to determine what's actually taken place and what's a wise course of action forward. Because if you were to believe both accounts, they're, they're, they're diametrically opposite. So how do I discern the truth in the midst of this, uh, this emotional outpouring? Now, so, all right, so this is what... This is what Solomon deals with, but it's two prostitutes who tell him the story. We both had a child. So the first woman speaks. We both had a child. Her child died. So during the night, she stole my child and did the swap. Uh, And you must make right this injustice that has taken place. But have you noticed, did you notice as Darren read the Bible reading, I left with the cliffhanger, right? We don't know how the story ends. Um, And Solomon told this proverb once. Look at this proverb. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. That's wisdom, isn't it? Because so often we hear one side of a story and it sounds so compelling, but we've got to be really careful, don't we, that we think we know the whole story just because we've heard one side of the story. That's part of the problem with gossip and slander, isn't it? That it can actually skew our understanding of reality. Anyway, so Solomon's heard one side of the story, but then the other prostitute speaks, and her story is exactly the opposite. Which of these two is the true mother to this child? Well, verse 24. I'm not recommending this as a strategy for any of us. But verse 24, King Solomon said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave the order, cut the living child in two, give half to one, half to the other, justice done. 
And the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved and out of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other one said, Neither I nor you will have him. Cut him in two. And then the king gave this ruling, Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. Wow. Uh, <laughs> again, I, I, a risky strategy, isn't it? And I don't recommend you try this yourself. But verse 28, when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Uh, there was a sense of, wow, how, how wise is this king? And this is just one instance um, that wisdom is seen not only in the courtroom, it is seen in the way he administers the affairs of the nation. It is seen in, in, in the way he gleans from the wise learnings of the other cultures around about. Solomon's wisdom is seen in the peace and prosperity that flow under his rule. So chapter 4, verse 34 Look at this quote. Uh, no, I haven't got a quote. You'll have to look it up yourself. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So there's this kind of international reputation. And as they come to learn from Solomon's wisdom, their, their, their attention is diverted to the God who has taught Solomon wisdom. So I've, I've got a couple of quotes here. Um, so the king of Tyre, so this is in chapter 5, these are, these are real quotes from real people. Praise be to the Lord today for he has given David a wise son to rule over this great nation. And you come over to chapter 10 and the queen of Sheba will come from uh, Africa. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Do you see what's going on? As people come to Solomon, praise goes to the God who has given Solomon this wisdom. And that is how it should be. And as I say, I, I, um, I feel a real sense of grief as I look out on our society because there has never been any there's never been more information than there is today how much information is at our fingertips so quickly and if you can't think of how to collate that information you just go to the internet and it'll collate it all for you you know this chat gpt and so on uh, more information than ever and yet i want to propose that wisdom is as scarce as it has ever been and that's because it's information is different from wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take information but actually navigate life to make good decisions that are right. Um, and in Australia, our leaders and the vast majority of the people of our nation do not have a listening heart. They do not fear God. Uh, they do not know Jesus, and so they have no foundation. And so as, the, as changes and troubles and difficulties come, there's just no anchor. And so they're just like, well, they're like a, 
a house built on sandy foundation. And when, when, when the waters come and the, and the winds blow and the storms come, that house will come crashing down. Uh, that's what Jesus predicted. And I think that's what we're seeing even now, but even more so on the day of judgment. When there's no foundation that is built on that whole idea of hearing the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. Now, look, why don't you just take a moment? I'm just going to pray for us in just a moment, but there might be one or two questions out there. So talk to the person next to you. Uh, If you have a question, Jane will come around with the microphone. We can feel the question. But talk to the person next to you to start with. Anything that come to mind... Uh, any reflections on what you've heard from God's word? Just have a chat. Um, I reckon we've got time for one or two questions, if there are any questions out there. Um, over here, Tim. Yep. I was with your boys at the senior youth camp. Said, oh, I was with you too. You were there, bro, sitting around the fire. Um, we know where the story's heading. Yeah. How, how do we reconcile the two such wisdom, but then we know how sinful, not just him, but people? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, really good question. So, so you look at this wisdom of Solomon and yet we know where the story's heading and we know that it is going to come crumbling down. So how do you reconcile such impressive wisdom uh, and such a disaster of how it all plays out? Um, I'm keen to explore that in the next couple of weeks. Because uh, I haven't thought deeply into chapters 9 to 11, um, and, and we're going to be doing that on Mother's Day, so I'm trying to work out how that all works together. But it'll be great, and the Queen of Sheba will visit on Mother's Day as well. Um, but but I, I do think it's, it's an illustration of the human heart, isn't it? Uh, that that um, once, once pride comes in, once we become just... Once we allow power and a lust for power and wealth and, and, and matters of the heart, you know, so all Solomon's wives, uh, there's a whole lot of things that it just seems like Solomon lost his guard and stopped listening to God and his heart led him astray. Uh, so it's a combination of things. But I'd love to dissect it more in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I think what it ought to do for us is give us a real soberness that um, not to think we've arrived. There's, there's never going to come a time until the Lord Jesus returns, there's never going to come a time where we go, oh, I've reached it. I've reached wisdom and now I can just cruise. Right? Uh, we, it's, it's a prayer that we can come to God every day in so many situations. Please Give me wisdom. And that humble dependence on God is the right place to be. And presumably, Solomon just stopped listening and stopped uh, humbling himself 
before God and yeah, a disaster, a train wreck uh, came following that. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and so can I put it on hold for a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll explore it more then. Uh, final, final question. Uh, over here, Jenny. You've got to run here because we haven't got much time. Uh, no, no, you've got your joggers on. It's good. good. Thank you, Jenny. Um, this is a, another hairy question that you might want to put on hold. But just um, thinking through... Solomon asked for wisdom and God was pleased and then gave him great wealth as well Mm -hmm. and us falling into that trap of beauty. I'll just ask for wisdom and I'll get great wealth as well. Mm. Um, God knows our heart. Mm. Um, But then I think of people like Norman Janelle Gorry over in Africa um, who would be pleading for wisdom and God is saying, well done, asking for wisdom, yet they are struggling so much yeah. and how that works. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that so we, we talked about God's how God gives wisdom and more. And so what he gave to Solomon was wisdom and great wealth. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we do need to be careful that we don't take what we see in this instance within the old covenant where there were clear prosperity blessings that flowed from obedience and curses that flowed from disobedience. I think we've got to be careful that we don't jump straight from there to us. Um, When the New Testament talks about blessings now, it talks about wisdom, but also forgiveness uh, and adoption into the family of God and brothers and sisters around us and a a heavenly father who answers our prayers. and, And so... The Apostle Paul in, one, in Ephesians 1 will say we have been given every spiritual blessing. But in terms of every physical blessing, that's still a promise that awaits the return of Jesus. That's when the great feast uh, will be rolled out. Uh, that's when we will live in that city paved with gold. And so until then, God does continue to show generosity, but it's not... There's not an expectation of lavish prosperity until the return of the Lord Jesus. And there's a great danger in the Christian world of this prosperity gospel that gives a false promise or false expectation of great wealth and uh, unhindered health now. Uh, So that's something we wait for uh, in the new creation. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Uh, and, and I want to just show us this. I want us to start by saying these words together because we're going to join with the angels. This is what they're singing. Uh, and, uh, and all those who are in Christ, who are in heaven now. So uh, let's begin with this and then I'll continue in prayer. Together. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Father, as we journey through life, as we face death and what lies beyond, we need wisdom from you. We need hearts that listen to you, hearts that are open to your instruction. In your kindness, according to your promise, give us wisdom. Wisdom so that we have this solid foundation in an ever-changing world. Please give wisdom to our children. 
wisdom beyond their years so that they may grow as strong, resilient, fruitful disciples. Give us wisdom in our workplace, our homes, our families. Give wisdom to our church leaders. Give wisdom to all who rule over us. Give us hearts that seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, trusting that you will continue to provide all our needs. And Father, we pray that as we receive wisdom from you, so we will be like a light in this dark world, that many will come to see your goodness, that many will come to recognise your Son. And we pray these things in his name, for his glory. Amen.